last week. We had the wonderful opportunity of having the cadets from the Evangelion Booth College here. And they brought us our message about what is sincere love, which was kind of fitting as we continue our month in discipleship. But we have the question of what does it mean to be a disciple? One of those would be to love sincerely. Like we learned about last week. But I'm going to read some scripture to you. From Luke. Chapter 9. Starting with verse 23, it says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. 25 says, And what do you benefit if you gain the world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? The message paraphrase says it like this. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I will show you how. How many of us have ever drove a car, a golf cart, a go-kart, or any other motor vehicle. Anybody. It doesn't matter whether you have a license or not. I am not the police and I don't care. How many of you, whether legally or not, have ever drove a motor vehicle of some sort? A little bit more hands went out. That's what I thought. We've got a couple that are learning permits age and honestly whether it's legal or not I would prefer for you to be practicing before you get on the roads in which everyone else is on <laughs> it's a little scary I had the privilege of um, I call it a privilege because it wasn't super scary rode in the vehicle with someone well their mom was helping them getting driving permit and I'll be honest I've lived in Texas for nine years now never seen a live armadillo Poor 15-year-old boy is in the car with me in the back seat and his mom in the passenger. And all of a sudden, both of us, and I'm not going to tell you how old we are really, but I will say, both of us were squealing like little girls when we looked outside and seen a live armadillo walking across someone's yard. We were like, oh my gosh, no, it's an armadillo! At exactly that high-pitched voice. I was very proud of the young man who did not slam on his brakes, which is what may have been what I have done when people start making that noise in my car. So I was really proud of how he stopped. He was in the driving seat, right? He was deciding what he was going to do. He was reacting in his own time. And how many of us, when we're in the driving seat, 
don't always know where we're going. Rely on GPS to get us there. And if you are like me, I am convinced, and people who have rode in the car with me can tell you that my GPS sometimes does not like me. And she's wrong. I don't know how. I don't know why. She just is sometimes. And then you always select shortest route, quickest route, right? Fastest route. That is not always true. In fact, I will have people in the car going, Captain, you could have gone faster if you went this way. And I go, I don't know why. I'm just following the GPS, right? We had that happen this morning. They go, you could have, it's faster if you went the other way. And I go, I don't, the, the GPS. Thankfully, I get to blame her for a lot of stuff. She's on a phone. She's not infallible. The only guidance system we do have that's infallible is the Lord, right? What did he? I like how the message paraphrase says it better. It says you have to let me lead, right? You are not in the driver's seat. I am. How many of us, though, are willing to let somebody else make big decisions in our life for us? Now, answer truthfully. Think of someone in your life. If you have a loved one, significant other, think of them. How many of you would be willing to let them make decisions about what you were going to wear today? If I were to send you home, let's say you have a kid, grandkid, whoever, loved one, significant other, spouse, whatever. How many of you would be willing to say, why don't you pick out what I'm going to wear today? How many of you'd be willing to let them do it? Now, that's because you trust them, right? But how many of you would be willing to let a random stranger do it? We got Mr. Miguel here. How many of you, Miguel is nine, right? How many of you would be willing to let Mr. Miguel pick your clothes out for today? <laughs> Change, right? All of a sudden, we went from going, yeah, I trust them. They can pick out my clothes to go, uh-uh. He is not picking out my clothes. Why? He's just nine years old. We don't trust him, right? We don't trust him to make decisions. Jake would be like, yeah, he could pick out my clothes because he'd probably pick out what you're wearing. I mean, that's a really cool shirt. Someone cool must have bought it for you. <laughs> I'm like, I think I recognize that from Christmas. <laughs> he, so he actually, Jacob did let somebody pick out his clothes. Me. But then again, how many of you guys would be willing to let me pick out your clothes? Yeah? I mean... Sometimes for the teenagers, I pick out their clothes all the time because I tell them, go, you're not wearing that. Go find something else. <laughs> I tell them that a couple of times. I feel like, you're not wearing that, so go find something else, right? Does that sound familiar, girls? You're not wearing that. Go find something else. 
Uh-huh. Yep. We have issues when it comes to turning control over to somebody else, though. Right? All right, Dominique, come here. You're going to help me with something. I need you to help me with something. Why do we have an issue with control? It's another five-letter word. Starts with a T. Trust. All right, Dominique. I need you to turn around. All right. Look straight forward and fall backwards. I got you, right? Do you feel my hands on you? So, does that mean I'm going to let you fall? I got you, right? So lean straight. Do I have you? Did I let you fall? All right. Now, you stay right there where you are. Keep looking forward. I'm not going to touch you this time. Fall backwards. Did I have you that time? You trust it? What if I was standing all the way back here, though, where you could tell... You don't trust that I could run to catch you? I don't know. <laughs> She's like, I don't want to find out. Sometimes, though, thank you, give her a hand. Sometimes, though, that's what it's like when we have to trust God, right? When we know he's there because he's been working in our lives, we're like, oh, yeah, God's got this. I got you, God. I'm ready. Step out, leap out, whatever we have to do on faith, right? But those times in our lives where he seems a little bit more silent, when we kind of wonder if he's there, how many of you have ever asked that question, where was God? When bad things happen to us, sometimes our faith gets a little shaken and we ask questions like that, right? And it becomes a little harder to trust when we're not sure he's there. Right? When I was touching her, she could know I was right behind her. She could hear me right behind her. It took her a while, but she was willing to do it, right? But when I stepped back, I was more than 20 feet from her. She didn't even want to chance it, right? Let's be honest, I'm wearing heels. I probably could not have run that fast. It was probably a wise decision. <laughs> not to trust that I could catch her, because I may not have been, right? But then again, I'm human. I'm imperfect and I'm fallible. But God is perfect. And so we need to be able to trust in Him. We've talked before about what makes a Christian. Someone who had heard the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, someone who believed the good news. 
who turns from the way they were going and turns to Jesus, who experienced the grace of God and who becomes a follower. What's another word for follower? Disciple. So if being a Christian is becoming a disciple, what makes you a disciple? Are you a disciple? And how do you know? There are very popular words in churches. If you were to Google anything about church leadership, you will find things about how to grow disciples, how to make disciples, strengthening discipleship in your church, discipling youth, discipling adults, discipling men, discipling women. Those are all very popular topics. And why do you think that is? The church, yeah. the church wants someone to follow Christ. Yeah. Perhaps they're popular words because even the church doesn't fully understand what it means to be a disciple. So we're constantly seeking and searching to tell you to trust somebody and to rely on them is easy. Putting it into practice is harder, right? Discipleship is a high-class kind of sounding word, isn't it? A ring of authenticity. And interestingly enough, disciples are learning to disciple others. But here's a couple of things that discipleship is not. How many of you would think you would know everything there is to know about the Bible? This group right here, you know everything there is to know about the Bible? No? Nobody knows everything there is to know about the Bible? How relieved would you be if I were to tell you that that's not what discipleship is anyway? Becoming a better disciple is learning more about the Bible, but it doesn't necessarily involve in increasing our biblical knowledge. It's about knowing it and applying it in our lives. It's not about how many Bible studies we go to. It's about how much of it has actually sunk in. How much of it has actually changed us, influenced us. Now, as much as I would like to say, hey, discipleship is about coming to church, because that would get you here on Sunday mornings to listen to me. Interestingly enough, even though I would like you to come to church on Sundays, discipleship is not about regular church attendance. Gra 
granted, I do expect to see every single one of you next week. But, discipleship is not something that only happens in church buildings. It's a sacred time between you and God that allows growth. There are two... <laughs> now... Thankfully, we can go to the Lord and He can train us, right? Now, here's one thing that's important. Discipleship is not, however, an option. If you are a Christian, you are a disciple. If you are a disciple of God, you are a Christian. They go hand in hand. You don't get to pick and choose. If you're a Christian and you don't think you can handle what it means to be a disciple, you don't get to hang out in that limbo middle area until you're ready. It's not like a pool where you get the the deep end, and the deep end is discipleship, but if you don't know how to swim, you hang out in the shallow end, just standing, because you can't even wade water, which is normally where you'll find me at a pool. But it isn't an option. It's something that we are called to do. It is not something that will show you the rules to be a better Christian. It does teach you what you need to know to govern your walk. And it uses you as a disciple to be an example to others and training others. But it's not about taking the fun out of life. How many of us, the moment someone says, do not get overwhelmed, bogged down, and honestly have a problem with authority, and the moment those words do not come out, begin to say, I'm done. Yeah? That's not what discipleship's about. It's not about the don'ts. It's the do's and the how's. How you do something, how it changes you, what you do to draw closer to God. That's discipleship. Look again at Luke. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever will love, for whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Come after Jesus. That means to follow him. Right? If anyone wants to walk with me and be with me. If anyone wants to follow me. That's the biblical definition of a disciple. A follower of Christ. 
It does say that to be a disciple, we have to learn the art of self-denial. When we think of self-denial, we think of it in a negative way. Denying things we really want, right? We're in the Lent season. How many of you guys gave up something for Lent? How many of you guys are really feeling the pain of what you gave up for Lent? Now, here's a question I'm going to ask. Because giving something up for Lent is a part of discipleship. How many of you are using the time, every time you crave what you gave up for Lent, to pray and draw closer to God? How many of you, every time you're tempted with what you gave up with Lent, say a prayer instead? Because that's what the whole thing about Lent is. It's about discipleship. Let me tell you, I used to be a good Lent person. Mm -hmm. Every 40 days before Easter, I would give up caffeine. It's not good for everybody else, but... That's what I gave up because that's what mattered to me, coffee. Until I learned that, you know what? I gave up coffee for 40 days, but that was it. I spent 40 days counting down the day till I could drink a cup of coffee. That's all it was. Today was day 39. Today is day 12. It got to the point that, you know, you celebrate what you gave up for Lent on Easter. It got to the point I kind of stopped thinking about Easter and started thinking about, yes, today is the day I get a cup of coffee. And I realized, you know what? It's probably not what God meant. It's probably not what Lent is about, right? It's not what Lent is about. And so I'll be honest, I don't give up coffee anymore. This time I started giving up things, emotions, feelings. Like, you know what, for 40 days I'm going to try something different and no matter how mad I find myself, I am not going to lose my temper. You know what, for 40 days, I'm going to wake up every morning and I'm going to be happy no matter what. Because it changes. Well, and be honest, given those things up, how many times have we ever felt ourselves draw closer to God because we gave up sodas for 40 days? How many of us have ever felt closer to God because we gave up chocolate for 40 days? At the end of those 40 days of eating after you gave up chocolate, you go, you know what? Giving up chocolate really helped. I feel so much closer to God now. And that is not what you were saying. You probably should have gave up something else. You know? What, what is your dependency on chocolate? Why? Do you drink it? Do you eat it? When you're sad, do you eat it as a way to feel better? Then maybe instead of giving up chocolate to feel better... You give up that feeling itself. You know what? For 40 days, I am not going to be bitter. For 40 days, I'm going to make the effort to get closer to my family. For 40 days, I'm going to make the effort to every day forgive somebody who has done me wrong. 
Self-denial isn't about being mean or cruel to ourselves. It's about learning to change our priorities into what really matters. And learning that the most important priority is Jesus. That's why Lent isn't about giving up chocolates or sodas or candy or whatnot. It's about drawing closer to God. It requires total commitment to take up our cross daily. He wants us to be totally committed to him and his purpose for our lives. Being a disciple requires obedience. This goes back to the whole, how many of us have a problem with authority? Those do's and don'ts trip us up because the moment someone says don't do something, we do, right? But when it comes from the Lord... It's different. We should learn to follow him. We learned last month how we're all parts of one body, what the God has called us to do, and he's called each and every one of us to respective things, right? God has put us within the church to help others, to become disciples of Jesus Christ, to prepare God's word for the works of service to unify God's people in faith and knowledge, to help God's people become mature Christians and to become like Christ. Discipleship is Christians helping other Christians become like Christ. And so the question is, have we accepted him, trust him, and follow him? We've seen that little demonstration in the faith fall. And so, are we willing to trust in him, to rely on him? No matter how near or far he may seem. We're going to take a moment in prayer. And just make that decision to accept him, trust him, and then follow him. Next week, we're going to end with an actual call, a pledge to discipleship. But I want you to take this time to look inside yourselves and find out where you are. Would you consider yourself a disciple, a follower of Christ? Or are you a Christian who's still swimming in the shallows? You can't even teach... You, don't, you can't teach someone else to swim because you don't even know how. Or are you ready and able to help others to learn to swim? Take this time in prayer.
Gracious Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now this day. We thank you. We trust you, and we long to follow you. May you reveal your way to us and help us to walk in them and help us to learn what it means to truly be a disciple. And we thank you for all these things. Watch over us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.